From St. Pete to Brandon, this is AM Tampa Bay with Jack Harris, where Tampa Bay begins their morning. And a good morning to you, a good Thursday, the penultimate day of the work week, with Jack Harris and Katie Bacino and James Berlander all on board here this morning. And if you would like to join us, call us at 800-969-9352. Or you can text us at 82945 to start your text with the call letters WFLA. We got a bunch of them yesterday regarding putting vinegar on French fries. And we'll talk more about that in a minute. I want to let you know about something, if you weren't aware of it, this morning... We have what they call the Buck Moon, and it's the biggest and brightest full moon of the year, and it should be going down at around 6.13 this morning, so you have a little over an hour to get out there and see it. Did you all see it coming in? I mean, I saw the moon today, but yesterday, driving into work, it was spectacular, but I didn't really, I looked in the sky today, and the moon just looked normal to me, but yesterday, it was beautiful yeah i felt like i had to wear like sunscreen coming in yeah <laughs> it's so bright well it's the buck moon the second and largest super moon of the summer and it's came to its closest point to the earth yesterday and um of course it was best if you saw it when it was rising last night uh, at around well eight fifty five. That was the best time to catch it, but um, it's about 222,000-plus miles from the Earth right now. If you want to go to the moon, just 222,000 miles plus. That'll save you some gas. Yeah, well, you <laughs> will spend a little money there. And they say it's, it, well, it was and still is if you go look at it, 7% bigger and 15% brighter than a regular full moon. And the second super moon of the summer comes a month after the strawberry moon, which peaked on June 14th. This one is also known as the thunder moon because of the frequency of storms during this month. That's something that we in Florida know all too well. But run out there and check it out for sure and see your full moon in action. By the way, I tried to get, I'm not going to say where we were last night, but I thought I'm going to try to put vinegar on my french fries, and they didn't have any vinegar. I just had to use um, regular ketchup, but somebody in a text said that I do put vinegar on my fries, that vinegar is the second ingredient in ketchup after tomatoes. And uh, somebody pointed out it's malt vinegar, and Five Guys had vinegar for fries, and ketchup is made from vinegar. My wife pointed this out, that the uh, Brits use it on fish and chips. Yes, we said that yesterday. A caller actually called and said, go back to the fish and chips days. And Joy said, whenever we have fish and chips, I use it. I just don't remember using it. Yeah. And uh, Ava Zar says there are vinegar and salt potato chips. 
Yes, salt and vinegar chips. Love those. And somebody says, Katie's all alone on this one. I never had vinegar on fries. Well, that got rebuttaled. Thank you, Clay. (laughs) (laughs) Well, anyway, I'm going to try putting it on my regular French fries sometime here. (laughs) See what it's like, but I still like the ketchup. Of course, that has vinegar in it. I'm just now learning. But it has tomatoes, too. (laughs) And tomatoes. I like tomatoes. Me too. It's 510 on AM Tampa Bay. Time to check the asphalt jungle now with John Thomas. A-O-Y. Quick takes. Ripping through the biggest news stories of the day in record time. Providing you all you need to know. This is AM Tampa Bay with Jack Harris. And Chris Trankman. In here from the newsroom. And what do we got this morning, Chris? Good morning, Jack. Well, President Biden says force is the last resort to prevent Iran from getting a nuclear weapon. He made the comments to an Israeli news station. He's on a visit to the Middle East this week, and he's reportedly hoping to seal a global agreement to limit Iran's nuclear program. You know, some of the concerns over there is that if Iran moves forward with some kind of nuclear program, Israel, you know, could get involved and take some kind of military action. And the Iran nuclear deal, of course, was scuttled back during the Trump administration. Yeah. Uh, The Israelis are opposed to that. Uh, They supported Trump's action on that. Uh, Biden, of course, though, was part of the agreement back when it was passed during the Obama time. So kind of an odd, uh, you know, conflict there between the two countries. Yeah, and I'm taking Israel's side on this because uh, Iran has for a long time threatened Israel so many times in the past that Israel has to be prepared to defend themselves. And the best thing they could do is see that Iran had no nukes. And this is why we need to give full support to the nation of Israel. Concern also, though, Jack, is that Iran's been able to move forward with its nuclear program. It's not clear how far along they are since they don't have any limits on the kind of nuclear material they can produce. The other thing Iran's doing is they're sending drones over to Russia, and they're going to try and help Russia fight the Ukrainians. So it's sort of like we have this proxy war going on with some of these countries, you know, Russia and Iran. Yeah. They're allied in the fight over there, and we're, of course, on the side of Ukraine. Yeah, for sure. And, of course, this is something that's being... Well, it's being run, for the most part, right here at CENTCOM at McDill Air Force Base. Yeah, and speaking of CENTCOM, the vice president's coming there today. Kamala Harris will be flying in this afternoon. She starts with a trip to Orlando, and then I guess around 5 o'clock, she's going to be meeting with the brass over at McDill. And probably CENTCOM. At CENTCOM, that's right. And she'll, of course, be talking about a lot of these issues, Jack. Yeah. uh, What's going on in the Middle East as the uh, president's on tour there. And she's, uh, I guess, over near Disney now? Yeah, she's going to be in the Orlando area for the first part of today. I hope nobody thinks she's goofy. Mm, that would be a tough <laughs> tough call there. So the Tampa Bay Lightning, some changes coming to the team. They're saying goodbye to a key player. The general manager oh, says yeah. that uh, Andre Palat will be signing with another team. He was with the Bolts for 10 years. And he has made a big, big impact. With the Lightning, the Lightning are going to have to come up with some pretty good players to replace guys like Palat if they want to get into the uh, championship again next year. You know, the thing about the Lightning is they have proven time and time again that they know how to manage players, and they seem to make the right call with letting go some of the great players over the years and still be competitive the following year. 
But this is going to be a tough one. But the general manager, uh, Julian Breezebras, said that uh, there is just no choice under the salary cap rules. Yeah. They just don't have the money to sign everybody. And that was the concern, really, uh, going into last year, this past season, that they wouldn't be able to, to put together as competitive a team as the one that went to the Stanley Cup Finals a year before that. So, you know, I have confidence that the these guys know what they're doing based on the fact that they've oh, yeah. been, in, been in the Stanley Cup final three straight years. Yeah, they've got some great management and coaching going on with the Tampa Bay Lightning, so you can't really question what they're doing. That's right. And but a great, again, you great owner, to too. see Palat leaving. Oh, definitely the best owner in all of sports. <laughs> That's for sure. So this is a great story, Jack. This is a guy in Sarasota who is watching this new Top Gun movie with a lot of pride, Navy veteran Brian Ferguson, used his expertise as a fighter jet pilot to work on the film as a technical advisor. And it was a fitting mission because Ferguson was inspired to become a Navy pilot after watching the first Top Gun movie in 1986 when he was 17 years old going to Riverview High School. So he's hoping this new film, which is doing very well, by the way. Oh, yeah, tearing it up. Yeah, doing doing very well at the box office. He hopes it inspires young people the same way as he was inspired. And I can tell you, Jack, I saw the new movie. It's fantastic. So if you're a young person, I, you know, I can see why you might want to go and fly fighter jets. Oh, yeah, definitely. But Had the opportunity living... to do that back in Vietnam. Yeah. Not yeah. to, I wasn't piloting it. I yeah. was in it. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. And, you know, those guys are, are very highly trained. What they do is uh, extremely dangerous. Uh, and, you know, with today's technology, some of the uh, things that we saw in these movies, you know, back in the 80s with the fighter jets, they, they don't necessarily need those same uh, operational, you know, activities of the fighter jets like we used to see because of all the new missiles and the aircraft carriers and things like yeah. that. But at the same time, they still serve a very important purpose. And uh, it's great to see that one of our own here in Central or here in uh, the uh, Tampa Bay area yeah. was part of that. Uh, and and was able to coach some of these uh, guys in the movies. You know, they tried to shoot that as realistically as possible, and that's why they brought in actual pilots to uh, consult with the the movie makers. That was a very good move on the part of the movie makers. Yep, that's right. They really, I guess, back in 1986, uh, before the days of computer-generated uh, graphics and special effects, they had to shoot actual airplanes, and this new movie tried to be faithful to that. And so they wanted to make it look like what it, you would experience if you're you're in these planes. I think they were very f- effective at that. And it's nice to see a movie that, that tries to shoot things for real, as yeah. opposed to you know going to a computer machine and having it all generated artificially. Oh, well, yeah. I've got to see that movie. I'm going to have to it's worth check it. it out for sure. Yeah, it's definitely worth it. Well, that is Chris Trinkman in the news, and he'll be back with, more here at the bottom of the hour, nine minutes. Thank you, Chris. Thanks, Jack. It's 521, and let's check out our traffic now with John Thomas. Your podcasts. Live on 99.1 FM in Pasco County. This is AM Tampa Bay with Jack Harris on News Radio WFLA. It's 525 on AM Tampa Bay. And if you want to join us, 800 969 9352. Katie came up with this story here. Florida skinny dippers break the record. A 769 
naked people jumped into the ocean at Blind Creek Beach on Sunday, and it broke the previous record of 431 people that was set last year. Smoked that record. Wow. Yeah, and it was organized by the Treasure Coast Naturists, a nonprofit that promotes a clothing-optional lifestyle. And this says the nude beach is one of only three in Florida. Uh, Blind Creek Beach became a nudist beach in June of 2020, but this group only set the record for Florida. And the record they set, 769. The record for the largest skinny dip was set in Ireland in June of 2018. You know how many women were in on that one? Well, I do because I have the story. Oh, okay. I'm going to guess a thousand. Two thousand. Wow. Five hundred and five. Twenty five hundred plus women in Ireland were naked and set the record in 2018. We got quite a ways to go to set the world record. Why do they not have guys? These are always women. That's I mean, not fair. They're probably women who put the group together, and I don't know. They just go about it. They hate men. And guys have better brains. <laughs> I know the one here in Florida is called Blind Creek. I wonder if, uh, you know, they, they do it there for a reason, because, uh, you know, when you see some of that, you might want to wish you were blind. <laughs> Where Where's Blind Creek Beach? It's in St. Lucie County. Oh, in St. Lucie. Okay. Yeah, because there used to be a skinny dipping beach when you would go out um i think it was from sarasota and head out there or maybe it was further on down but i remember if you went right when you got out to the uh islands out there or the isles uh if you went right you went to a skinny dipping beach and if you went left you went to a regular beach but i can't remember where that is if anybody knows about the any skinny dipping places around here please let us know at 800-969-9352 we'd like to hear about it and coming up in a few minutes rory o'neill is going to be on board and we're going to talk about inflation what it's doing to the american consumer it's 528 on am tampa bay Keeping you up on what's trending. Here's the AM Tampa Bay trendsetter, Katie Bacino. And Katie at 537 here, what do we got trending today? Well, today is National Mac and Cheese Day. I celebrated a little early, had some mac and cheese last night. I did too. Me too. Wow, look at us go. The mac and cheese celebrators. In hot sauce? No, hot dogs. Oh. I I put hot dogs in my mac and cheese. I don't judge that. I think that's totally fine. Okay, thank you. Yeah, I think that's good. I just have cheese and some breadcrumbs on mine. Mm. This one had broken up, I mean, powdered bacon. Or not powdered, but it's like... Powdered bacon? Well, it's like powdered bacon. And I said, well, I'll have my bacon on the side. She brought this cup of little crumbs of bacon. Oh, goodness. Oh, those are bacon bits. Bacon bits, yeah. I didn't eat it. <laughs> but oh, that's okay. I like the mac and cheese. Also coming full circle with this one, it's National Nude Day. We were just talking about nude beaches. Someone did call, by the way, Jack. It was North Lido Key that used to be nude. Yes, and, yeah. yes, that's it. 
Yes, that North was the Lido Key. We're not supposed to like celebrate that, right? Yeah, don't go out to Lido <laughs> Key today and take off your clothes. Don't celebrate here. Oh, I'm in right here. Yeah, <laughs> no, you celebrate that when you go home, James. Okay. You go all out when you go home. That is I already totally celebrated last night in the shower. Oh, that's good. That's good. Yeah, I took all my clothes off before I got in there. Oh my goodness! Yeah, that's the way to do it. <laughs> yeah, typically people do that. <laughs> you know, not always. You you never know. Um, so this is a little weird. Everyone remembers Nickelodeon. Oh, yeah. You know, they used to, back in the day, slime people. Slime was their big thing. Yeah. If you put Nickelodeon on, they were sliming people at Universal Studios. It was a big thing. Well, Applejacks and Nickelodeon have teamed up, and they're making a new version of Applejack cereal, and it's Applejack slime. It's not really going to get gooey. The milk isn't going to get gooey, but it'll be fun for kids. It's going to turn the milk green, so it gives it kind of a slime effect. Kind of mm. fun for kids. A case of whiskey just sold for a lot of money, way more than you would think. Does anyone want to take a stab at it? Go ahead, Jack. A case of whiskey. It was a lot of money. Uh, Most expensive cask of whiskey. Oh, I'm sorry. It's a cask of whiskey. I don't know what that means. I think that's like a a barrel. Uh, Okay. Well, a whole barrel. barrel of whiskey. 2,000 bucks? Not even close. I'm going to say 58 no, nineteen okay. million dollars. Yes, it was a nineteen seventy-five Ardbeg Islay, and I don't know what that means, but it is the oldest ever released by the Ardbeg Distillery, and it was closed through much of the eighties and nineties. So this is like a very old cask of whiskey. Nineteen million dollars. It's going to be matured and bottled over the next five years in a very secure private location. It better get us drunk. I'm just saying. Uh, I guess. It says it'll give the new owner of it 88 bottles of the whiskey a year. <laughs> $19 million. The cost of the bottles will work out to be over $42,000 each. Wow. Yeah. I'll stick with my Bud Lights. <laughs> Much cheaper option. Yes, indeed. Hey, tomorrow, by the way, is the 135th birthday of the city of Tampa. Oh, wow. We'll, well have to celebrate that yeah. tomorrow. It's 5.40 on AM Tampa Bay, and time to check our coming and going here with John Thomas. From the Moss Nissan Traffic Center, we have an accident up around San Antonio blocking two lanes I-75 southbound at State Road 52. This traffic report is sponsored by the Florida Department of Health. Did you know that the brain develops until you're 25? That means that any drugs or alcohol you put in your body affect the way your brain develops. You have the power to protect your brain. Check out thefactsyourfuture.org for more. Your future depends on it. A message from the Florida Department of Health. John Thomas, News Radio, WFLA. Jack, Katie, and James, every weekday morning. This is AM Tampa Bay with Jack Harris on News Radio, WFLA. It's 544 on AM Tampa Bay. And um, St. Petersburg... Um, has now had their first meeting, and they're going to have a couple of more because they want to hear from the people in the community about what to do at the Tropicana Field uh, when, obviously, the Rays are going to be leaving there. And, of course, they're not admitting to that yet, but they're going to have another meeting next Tuesday and then another one on uh, Thursday, July 28th. And the uh, mayor, Ken Welch, says they want to come up with what to do there. And 
they had a couple of development ideas that were submitted a couple of years ago, but he's pointed out that a lot's changed since then, and the new request for proposal process is expected to begin next month. And, of course, again, it's unclear what the Rays are going to do when their lease is up at Tropicana Field in 2027 or how involved they will be in the new process. But um, if you have any thoughts on this, we'd love to hear from you what they can do at what is now the Tropicana Field area because... I can just see that as sort of like a midtown in Tampa, uh, that it would be great. I mean, they can have an arena, well, not an arena, but they can have a place um, that will hold um, conferences and things like right. that, and which they don't really have anything like that in St. Pete now, but they could put a really good one there and bring in a lot of um it's just it has to have easy access that's the whole thing yeah definitely so but um the rays are not going to stay there and of course they were hoping to perhaps build a stadium down near the water but i think the rays want to get over into tampa period right and you know right now they're talking about that ebor city area and i again think they really ought to get into the um area near where the Yankees stadium is and where Raymond James stadium and all of those other things are, that it would be a perfect place. I think a ballpark near the water would be great, but what do you do when it's red tide season? Oh yeah. The stench. Yeah. And when you have flooding, that becomes a problem. But of course they've got a field down there, a very historic one, mm-hmm. a line field. Although that has been changed dramatically and, become a playground for the uh, rowdies. <laughs> I've been curious about these public meetings. Do you think that they actually take the public opinion into consideration when they're actually planning? Or do you think they already kind of have it figured out? They just want us to feel like we're involved. I think uh, a little of both, really. I think they've got some ideas. I mean, uh, Mayor Ken Welch is a pretty sharp guy, and uh, I just think he wants to get community impact to see what the folks want to see done there and again, they never seem so to listen to us potential. about uh, road. they never seem to listen to us about roads and all that stuff about how we need a ton of improvements you know with the uh you know the road system down here yeah of course part of it is the cost and we're right. going to get the money but um i'd like to hear from our other listener who uh is familiar with the tropicana field area and what would be a good idea to put down there. And again, I think it could become sort of a midtown, you know, restaurants and office buildings and uh, all kinds of things like that. But I don't know. We're going to have to wait and see. And again, they had a meeting the other day, and uh, the next two meetings are going to be, again, uh, next Tuesday and then Thursday in july thursday july 28th and again they still don't know what's going to happen with the raise but i can tell you uh mayor welch they're going to be leaving <laughs> they're gone they will be gone that is funny that uh it's hard for 
them to keep a baseball team there when that was where spring training began uh, at, well, Al Lang Field or whatever it was called way back then. But um, nevertheless, we'll have to see how that plays out. Mm-hmm. Um, there are a lot of this thing. Well, I don't think we have time to get into it, but a Republican-sponsored bill would eliminate free public electric vehicle charging stations in North Carolina unless the government is going to offer a similar free benefit for owners of diesel and gasoline-fueled vehicles. And as he pointed out, taxpayers shouldn't be footing the bill for free electric vehicle charging stations on state and local government property unless the same ones offer gasoline or diesel fuel at no charge. And uh, this is a Republican up in North Carolina saying, you know, we need to do more to increase American energy production. But that is true. These people spend a lot of money getting these electric vehicles, and then there are people trying to charge them for free. Right. Not no, for, no, not that's free. That's a bill I would agree with. Now, I think it's up to the company. Now, years ago, I don't think this happens anymore, but years ago, if you bought a Tesla, Elon Musk would allow you to charge your Tesla on his dime, but it would obviously have to be at a Tesla charging station. Yeah. And that would be free charging. Yeah. But leave it up to the company. Don't tax us for it. And that's true because uh, if they get free charging, they're getting free electricity. But it ain't free. You, the taxpayer, are paying for that. Mm-hmm. Well, it's 551 on AM Tampa Bay, and let's check out what's happening out yonder in traffic. On air and online at WFLANews.com. This is AM Tampa Bay with Jack Harris on News Radio WFLA. And it's 555. And we're joined now by Rory O'Neill. And this report is brought to you by the Oncology Institute. And Rory, thanks for being on board here this morning. Uh, the markets are in kind of a roller coaster ride now. Um, well, with inflation being what it is right now. Yeah, a bit of a crazy day yesterday. The inflation number, the annual inflation rate, 9.1%. That number came out yesterday morning before the markets opened. They went straight down, but uh, they recovered most of their losses by the time the closing bells sounded yesterday. Still, investors are trying to figure out whether, you know, the markets have been down already for the year with uh, many of the experts already pricing in some of the recession fears. Uh, that are looming because of this uh, high inflation and and the likelihood that the Federal Reserve will keep on raising those interest rates. So, uh, yeah, we're paying a lot more for things like gas, of course. Uh, Energy prices are way up, but so is food, apparel. Uh, The only bright spot in this, actually, airline tickets were down, like, a little one percent. <laughs> so minuscule. That was it. That was the only good news. Uh, the report was just broad-based uh, inflation across the board. Yeah, if you want to get out of town, it's cheaper to do it on a plane than it is with gas. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, but the number. Look, President Biden was asked about this yesterday. He was probably happy to be in Israel uh, when this number was announced. But uh, he said, infl- "Fighting inflation is their top priority." Uh, but, uh, you know, Mitch McConnell, we heard from yesterday, he is blaming all the spending we have done, um, 
thought through COVID and then after the administration passed those uh, uh, infrastructure bills and other pieces of uh, legislation, the other bailout money, they say we're just spending too much, and that's what's feeding this inflation. Well, for sure. Unfortunately, we're out of time here, Rory, but we will be talking to you again tomorrow. Thanks, Jack. Talk to you then. All right. This report brought to you by the Oncology Institute, a new kind of cancer care provider focused on clinical outcome, patient satisfaction, and designing a treatment plan that's right for you and six locations across Tampa Bay area. Make an appointment at the oncologyinstitute.com. It's 558 on AM Tampa Bay. Bloomberg Radio. From Odessa to Clearwater, this is AM Tampa Bay with Jack Harris, where Tampa Bay begins their morning. And a good morning here on this, the penultimate day of the work week, Thursday. And this is our foray into the field of facts, figures, and falderall with Cracker Jack, incredibly cute and keenly capable Katie, and judicious and jocular James. Hello. All on board here this morning. And if you want to join us, give us a call at 800-969-9352. we got some birthdays, some... Uh, Fairly well-known names, too. Roger Shulman, who used to be here at iHeart many years ago. And I remember him. Yep, he's been with another competitor here for quite some time. And Daniel James Scott having a birthday today, too, our own tech expert. Who that? So happy birthday to Daniel. And Holly Barnett Tomlin. And uh, Sherry Wheatley Sassino, married to Ron Sassino, the tux guy. You all got any birthdays? I have Preston Arnold, Cody Field, and, of course, our very own Daniel James Scott. And for me, I've got Randy Sanchez, Megan Elizabeth, Courtney Leonardo, DeAndre Brown, and also Daniel James Scott. All right, everybody's got Daniel James Scott. (laughs) We're all friends here. (laughs) <laughs> Triple birthdays. And what have you all got in the way of jokes? Well, I thought this one would be appropriate. What's a sea monster's favorite lunch? The sea monster's favorite lunch? Fish and ships. <laughs> oh, fish and ships. Yes. That's funny. <laughs> Not bad. <laughs> all right, what about you, James? So a teacher asked her class, kids, what does the chicken give you? And the, they said, meat. And then the teacher asked, very good. Or she said, very good. And then she asked, now what does the pig give you? And they say, bacon. (laughs) And then she asked, what does the fat cow give you? And they all screamed, homework. Oh, that's me. (laughs) Homework. Please don't cancel me. Hey, this one's a little long here, but I'm going to go on and throw it in. And I think it's an old, well, it's an old Red Skelton joke. And it's pretty bad, but Ben Ritter sent it again. There was once a bright young lad who lived on an Indian reservation in southeast Oklahoma. It excelled in his school studies. However, certain living conditions on the reservation back then weren't up to the standards of today. No electricity in the community bathroom. And at night, everyone had to carry a flashlight or a candle or a lantern when they used a facility known as the PPTP. And the young lad graduated at the head of his class, joined the Navy, became an electrician, 
After serving a tour of duty, he was discharged, got a job with an electrician firm in Dallas, and before he started, he decided to pay a visit to his old home on the Indian Reservation, found things exactly like it left him, no light in the PPTP, so he decided to use his newly acquired skills and do a good deed and install electric lights in the head, which that's the Navy word for bathroom, of course, if you've been in the military. And he bought all the necessary equipment, wires, switches, light bulbs, installed a light in there, did all the work unassisted, and when it was done, a huge lighting ceremony was held to commemorate it. And when he flipped on the switch, it was reported by every Midwest newspaper because the first time in history that an Indian had ever wired a head for a reservation. <laughs> Thank you, Red Skelton and Ben Ritter. <laughs> It's five, and that's the PPTP. Yes, it's five eleven on AM Tampa Bay, and time to check in on traffic with John Tom. Throwing back with Jack on AM Tampa Bay with Jack Harris. Well, this goes way back to the days of Tampa Stadium, the original Tampa Stadium, which for a while was known as Houlihan Stadium, and it opened in nineteen sixty seven. Um. Had two Super Bowls there in 1984 and 1991, but it was known as the Big Sombrero, and it was Chris Berman, the uh, broadcaster, that gave it that name, the Big Sombrero, because at one time it was open-ended on both ends and kind of looked like a sombrero, um, but they closed one of the ends of it, and then they decided it wasn't enough. But when they were getting ready to close the stadium, I can't remember whether it was a Bucks game or a Rowdies game because I was broadcasting both of them. And I went down, they had me go down on the field at halftime and talk about the closure coming up and the fact that they were building a new stadium and all that stuff. And then when Raymond James Stadium opened in 1998, and by the way, the old Tampa Stadium was demolished in 1999, uh, and uh, they had a ribbon-cutting ceremony, which I emceed, and Dick Greco was the mayor. He was there to cut the ribbon along with a few other people, and we opened the brand-new Raymond James Stadium, which, of course, was named after um, a financial group, Raymond James, and we had a brand-new stadium which hadn't been given a nickname yet. <laughs> but now, the where the old Tampa Stadium was, just a big parking lot, and where the new stadium is, used to be back in the old days, or at least part of it, was where uh, Al Lopez Field was located, a baseball stadium. And I still think that would be the perfect place just south of there to build another stadium for the Tampa Bay Rays. That would be perfect. But I don't know if it's ever going to be done or not. But nevertheless, we've got the stadium and we're ready for them. If they decide to move over here, we got the space, I should say. I guess Chris Berman is still broadcasting. But I remember when he first looked at it and called it the Big Sombrero. And that caught on, and it always became known as the Big Sombrero. 
But nevertheless, that's our throwback for this Thursday. Hey, we got some gas prices around here, which include some throwbacks. And the good thing is prices are falling now. Um, the current average, or as of yesterday, was 4.32 a gallon, and that was two cents lower than the day before, and 14 and a half cents lower than a week before, and it was 54 cents lower than a month ago. Wow. However, it was a dollar 34 more than a year ago. A year ago, the uh, average in the Bay Area was 2.98 a gallon. Now it's 4.32 a gallon, so it's gone up, went up so dramatically as a result of the shutdown of the Keystone Pipeline and the end of drilling and all that stuff. Still got to eat ramen noodles to afford gas. <laughs> but the uh, prices are falling now, and the highest ever was 4.90, and that was June 13th. That's going to remain the highest for a long time. Fortunately, prices are going down. I notice on the way here, uh, the Wawa station, it's 423, and then right straight across the street, and I think it's the mobile station, this is on Gandhi, it's 459 if you use a credit card, and 449 if you pay cash. And I'm thinking, why do you go over there when you can go right across the street, use your credit card, and pay only 423? But I guess they're not competing with one another. Right. It's 620 on AM Tampa Bay, and let's see what people are doing with that gas now with John Thomas. Live from the WFLA studios, this is AM Tampa Bay with Jack Harris on News Radio WFLA. It's 624 on AM Tampa Bay, and you looked up a gas price there, Katie? Yeah, it's all the way over in Daytona Beach, though. We're always saying how Bucky sells gas way cheaper. It's 379 over there. Oh, wow. I'm going. 430 or 440, we're going to start driving over there to get gas. <laughs> Let's go. Load up, get one of those big things in the back of the truck, load it up. Yeah, I remember we were over there, too, and driving by those gas stations thinking, so much cheaper over here than it is over there where we live. Anyway, we got Nicole Wilson joins us now, our NBC News radio reporter. And, uh, Nicole, the euro and the dollar are at parity. And, you know, if you happen to be going overseas, it's great. But um, th- there's a list out of the best cities in the world, only two of them in the U.S., but what is uh what's going on with all of that? Yeah, so uh, like like you said, if you're looking to travel overseas, especially in countries where the euro is the primary source of currency, you're probably going to be able to uh go and spend just like you would here in the US. It's dollar for dollar. So usually the euro uh if you exchange, you're going to get quote unquote less money for your dollar. Uh, in, in Europe. But uh, now it's the same. So many people who can uh, travel may want to consider Europe as an option. Now, you also mentioned this, uh, this list of world-class cities, right? So there's this new list that 
states which cities across the world are the best cities. And listen, two cities in the country of the United States made that list. New York, New York coming in at number 20, and the good old city of Chicago where I sit bringing you this report coming in at number two. These are from people who've never visited Florida. Hey, you might be right. We have to come on down to Tampa and see how we can get this on the list here. (laughs) I do love Chicago. (laughs) I could do without New York, but I love Chicago. But I think I'll stay here. They say it's the great food, the art, the culture. Tell me a little bit about what we we can get on that list from Tampa. You got good food down there? You got great food, and you can go to the beach and enjoy it. (laughs) Oh, Oh, that's, I'm coming to Tampa. Beach is all you have to say. <laughs> yeah, definitely much, much better. But uh, getting hey, better and, all the and, time. And, and and in the U.S., I may get more for my money down in Tampa than in Chicago. Oh, yeah, no doubt about that. And I've <laughs> got to tell you also, Nicole, I don't want to badmouth the Windy City, but you got people from Chicago and New York particularly are all heading down here because of the advantages. I mean, taxes and things like that are so much better. Oh, absolutely. We uh, certainly have some of the highest taxes across the country. That is no doubt. You are 100% right on that. And we're a little behind you on crime as well. You are right on that as well. But, you know, I I have to tell people, you know, the crime gets a lot of the headlines here, especially for uh, those who don't live in the city. We, you know, we see these headlines, we read these headlines, but there's so much more great about the city of Chicago than that crime. It's really unfortunate how the crime kind of leads the news. Nicole, there's more to Florida than Florida, man. I promise you that, too. (laughs) Yeah, but I got to tell you, Nicole, I do love visiting Chicago. My wife and I both do, so enjoy it for sure. And um, thanks for joining us this morning on AM Tampa Bay. Hey, you have a good day. All right, you too. Nicole Wilson, our NBC News radio reporter, and it's 628. Let's hear about the dopiest dope of all the dopes of the day on AM Tampa Bay with Jack Harris. And at 6.37, who is our dopiest dope of the day? (laughs) So I don't know what is going on in Atlanta. I guess this isn't really surprising to come out of Atlanta. But Atlanta police say they found guns stashed inside gas stations and convenience stores at least seven times so far this year. And they they went to remove guns from a local convenience store the other day. And they were behind the candy bars. And, like... Things are just getting outrageous now, like when police go in and they have suspicions of gun, they have to like raid the store. Like they they're finding them in coolers, they're finding them under candy bars. Like imagine a little kid seriously going to look through candy bars and they're like, you know what, I want the one on the bottom, and they reach for a gun. So uh-huh. my dopes of the day are everyone hiding guns behind candy bars and in gr- convenience stores in Atlanta. This is crazy. Oh, it is. It's becoming a normal thing too. It's not just like it happened at one store. Multiple times they've gone in to stores and found guns underneath candy bars it's it's very bizarre i wonder if this is like a new way of trafficking weapons you know around could be yeah i, I guess huh the one of the guys said that it was stashed there to protect a drug trade that was operating out of there like so i guess there's just like an a whole 
underground thing happening with these gas stations in Atlanta. I would be horrified as a parent that like little Johnny's like, Mommy, Daddy, I want a Hershey bar. And then all of a sudden you hear boom. Yeah, I mean... You know what? It's it's one thing to like hide guns inside your store for protection, you know, because convenience stores and gas stations they get robbed. It happens, but hide it behind the counter or something, right. not underneath candy yeah. bars and inside coolers where people can get to them. Speaking of guns, more than three thousand guns have been stopped at TSA checkpoints nationwide. This is in airports. People trying to go through with guns. Maybe it's the TSA people putting them in stores. Like, ah, I don't know what to do with this. <laughs> Well, 6,000 guns uh, nationwide, and um, the U.S. is on pace to beat the record high, even in Tampa Bay. And this year, they say uh, they found 56 at checkpoints here, and 23 of them were stopped in June alone. In nearly every case, they say is an accident, a traveler forgetting they had the weapon in their bag. You know, you can, if you're going to take a gun, you can put it in your suitcase and check the bag. You can't take the bag on the plane with you, but you have to check it and you can put all your guns and whatever weapons you've got there in the bag. This is crazy if people are coming up with the checkpoints and most of them are loaded with bullets too, ready to fire. But fortunately, they're working on trying to shut that number down. You can be arrested by local law enforcement, face a civil penalty from TSA of close to $14,000 if you're found to be trying to sneak them in. And you can't sneak it through that gun detector, through the metal detector, I'll guarantee you. It's 540 on AM Tampa Bay, and John Thomas has got how traffic's gunning out there. Now, taking a look back at this day in history on AM Tampa Bay with Jack Harris. And at 644, this is Today in History for July 14th in 1865. The first ascent of the Matterhorn is completed by Edward Wimper and his party four of whom died on the descent. In 1874, the Chicago Fire of 74 burned down 47 acres of the city, destroyed 812 buildings, killing 20, and resulting in the fire insurance industry demanding municipal reforms from Chicago City Council. In 1881, American outlaw Billy the Kid is shot and killed by Sheriff Pat Garrett in the Maxwell House at Fort Sumner, New Mexico. That's been the subject of many movies over the years. 1911, Harry Atwood, an exhibition pilot for the Wright Brothers, is greeted by President Taft after he lands his airplane on the south lawn of the White House, having flown from Boston. 1943, in Diamond, Missouri, the George Washington Carver National Monument becomes the first U.S. national monument in honor of an African-American. 18, let's see, we've got that, the 1880, no, we got that one too. In 1911, what happened here? I got a lot of repeats. 
Try again. In 1960, uh, Jane Goodall arrives at the Gombe Street Reserve, or Stream Reserve, in present-day Tanzania to begin the study of chimpanzees in the wild. In 1965, Mariner 4 flyby of Mars takes the first close-up photos of another planet and the photographs take about six hours to be transmitted back to Earth. 1983, Mario Brothers is released in Japan, beginning the popular Super Mario Brothers franchise. 2015, NASA's New Horizons probe performs the first flyby of Pluto and thus completes the initial survey of the solar system. In 2016, a man plows a truck into a Bastille Day celebration in Nice, France, killing 86 people and injuring another 434 before he was shot by police. And in 1939, locally, construction of MacDill Air Force Base was first announced. Uh, MacDill was originally established in 19. 19- 39 as Southeast Air Base in Tampa. That's what it was called. And then it was named in honor of Colonel Leslie McDill. Um, he was a World War I aviator in the U.S. Army Air Corps, and Colonel McDill was killed in a crash of his North American BC-1 in 1938 in Anacostia, D.C., up near Washington, D.C., but um, MacDill Air Force Base has been an incredible asset to the Tampa Bay area, particularly to the city of Tampa, uh, because of all the visitors it brings here and because of all the additional money that it brings into the uh, Tampa Bay area. But the... um, Air Force as we know it today was not the Air Force until, let's see, it was 1948 when it was no longer the Army Air Corps, but it became the U.S. Air Force, and that's when it became MacDill Air Force Base. But again, originally it was Southeast Air Base in Tampa, and of course the establishment of MacDill Air Force Base, or even Southeast Base, led to the, um, well, the completion of Dale Mabry Highway, uh, because prior to that, there wasn't much there. I mean, there was a little two-lane rickety road that went up through that area, and they wanted to get a good highway running on up to, well, where the what later became, they had an air airfield, um, and U.S. Army airfield up, um, we'll see, it would be now across from where the stadium is. In fact, it's where private planes fly out of now. That area there was another air base and everything, and so they helped get the construction going of Dale Mabry Highway, so it would link the two, but that's your um, 
Today in history for July 14th. We need to do a little more Tampa Bay history because we got a pretty rich history around here, really. It's 649, almost 650, and checking in now with John Thomas to see how the cars are doing. The latest headlines, weather, and traffic every weekday morning. This is AM Tampa Bay with Jack Harris on News Radio WFLA. Hey, we haven't mentioned for the folks who went to bed early last night, the uh, Rays beat the Boston Red Sox here at Tropicana Field and now are one and a half games in front of Boston in second place in the division. Unfortunately, 13 and a half behind New York, but we do have the eighth best record in all of baseball. And so they play the Bo Sox again tonight. Then the Orioles are going to be here over the weekend. So there you go. That is the score. So the uh, Rays are doing a little better now. By the way, here's another, well, a list that Katie came up with here. The best restaurants in the U.S. for outdoor dining. 100 best for outdoor dining from 13.6 million Verified reviews and 25 states made the cut. I don't quite understand this all, but in the top 100 coming in at number six. They're not in any order. These are just the 100 best restaurants. They're not in any particular order. Oh, they're not in any order. Nope. These are just, I included all the ones that showed up in Tampa on that list. There's just like 10 or 12 there, but all the ones that were in our area are on that sheet of paper I gave you. Yeah, you got 12 here. Uh, Dry Dock Waterfront Grill in Longboat Key and Eulalie's in Tampa. Uh, Ophelia's on the Bay in Sarasota. Never been there. I've never actually heard of it. Yeah, I'm not familiar with that one. Sounds nice, though. I get around Sarasota a lot. I love it. Uh, And the Boathouse, Lake Buena Vista. I've heard that place is really nice. I've never been there, but I have heard great things about the Boathouse. Hmm, haven't been there either. I think it's at Disney Springs. I could be wrong about that. That very well could be if it's Lake Buena Vista. Uh, Arnold Palmer's Restaurant in La Quinta, California. I didn't know Arnold Palmer had a restaurant. Oh, yeah. He's got a couple of them. And the R.H. Rooftop Restaurant in New York. I don't know if I'd want to go there. Rooftop restaurants in New York are pretty. I've always wanted to go to one of those. Hey, we got, you do have to check out our blog here because Katie's got some great stuff on there. The weatherman loses lights while warning people of a power outage. Poor guy. It happened to him twice. (laughs) Happened to him during his earlier newscast, and then he got back on at 5 o'clock, and it happened to him again. Well, also, 82nd Airborne singing, My Girl, while... Waiting to jump from a Huey helicopter. And a bull snake hitches a ride on a woman's windshield. That's so creepy. Yeah. And, of course, we've got the photos that of uh, Katie and myself together when we were over at Daytona over the long weekend. And a bunch of other good things on there as well. So check it out at amchampabay.com and we'll see you tomorrow morning at 5 on AM Champa Bay. Live it up!
For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.